Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello there and welcome to episode 694 of Your Ultimate Life. This one has a long title and it's kind of descriptive, funny, true, sad, all at the same time. How my trip through hell helped to create my ultimate life. And the subtitle is how I can use this information and story to help you. I think of it also kind of as the twisted backstory. Today, I am in my 15th year of building a coaching practice that is successful, that's around the world, and helping people create that ultimate life. And I'm 66, I'll be 67 in a few weeks. When I was 52, uh, 15 years ago, or nearly 15 years ago, I was in the middle, at the end now, of 35 years of untreated depression. I had lived without help, isolated, closed, never talking to anyone. That was my choice, although I didn't realize how silly it was at the time. Silly is a bad word. Damaging, isolating, disempowering, all that sort of stuff. So let me dig into a little bit of the backstory. Now, if you want all the details, I wrote a book called Tightrope of Depression, My Journey from Darkness, Despair, and Death to Light, Love, and Life. All the details are there. And so I'm going to give you a brief summary. And this is not about poor me or anything. It is an, an example of how no matter where you've been or what's happened to you, you can create the ultimate life, a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your divine gifts. As a kid, I started in a normal looking home. Two parents, uh, we weren't hungry, we never really wanted for anything. Oh, I heard we can't afford this and we can't afford that all the time. And I certainly never got any of the latest fashion, this, that, and the other. That was all off limits, off the table, etc., etc. But I certainly didn't want for anything either. So that wasn't a question. What happened was that my mom got married really young. She didn't have any idea about how to raise children and how to be responsible for nurturing and directing their growth in life. And maybe no young mother ever does. I don't know. But her view of helping me get started was to discipline me so I would behave in strict ways. And her her model was, was religious, although... Some of the things she enforced had nothing to do with the religion. The bottom line is she enforced her view, and my dad participated, but nowhere near like she did, with discipline that today would be felony child abuse. We would have been removed from the home, no question, no ifs, ands, or buts. Physical, verbal, emotional, and occasionally sexual abuse that was atrocious. 
by any standard. Um, it left me, and I didn't know in, in those days, the idea of you know going somewhere. The only kids that got taken from their homes were starving or something so brutal, you know, it was un, un, you know left limbs broken and destroyed. Now I was black and blue a lot and had a lot of physical damage, but never life threatening. Although I do remember sometimes during the beatings wishing I would die, not to escape the beatings, but because then I thought then my mom will get punished. You know, she'll get caught because I'm dead, and she can't explain that. The idea to get help uh, didn't occur to me, and that prohibition started from an early age. And the reason this is important for you is because have you felt the prohibition to get help? Have you felt it's a sign of weakness or not? you're not okay if you need to get help? No one ever got to the Olympic podium to win the Tour de France, the World Cup, performing on a stage, singing, or any other high-performing place without help. No one ever got to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, successful accountant, or anything else without help. And so the idea we can do all this alone is nonsense. But somehow I believed that I should and that every piece of my behavior was my fault and that if I didn't do everything I was supposed to do, not only was I going to get physically punished, beat, many times, or slapped around or whatever, but it meant that I was an evil person, not just that I'd done something disapproved of, right? I was evil, so I internalized three things. I was wrong, evil. It was not okay to get help because it was my fault and all I had to do was suck it up and be better, and that I would never be good enough. I left home at 17, and that... that Physical stuff continued all the way through high school. So I remember physically still getting beat in high school, right? And so it wasn't just a few times as a kid. It was hundreds and hundreds, perhaps even thousands, I don't know, of times. And you'd think, you could think, well, getting away from home, you'd you know get out away from all that and all that stuff. I thought about running away a couple times, but again, I was scared. So I didn't do it. <clears throat> Leaving didn't change it because of the religious component. I believed, okay, my mom has God on her side, so she must be right, and I need to change who I'm being in order to do that. And it conflicted with myself. I couldn't be me. I couldn't even explore what it meant to be me. I had this idea of who I was supposed to be, and that was all there was, period. Now, you may have had that experience, or you may know someone like that. One of the Kennedys, you know, didn't dare pursue the career that he wanted until his mom died because he was supposed to be a lawyer. He went to law school and all the rest and didn't even dare pursue anything else. So that kind of parental control and everything else is not unusual. For me, it was devastating. So I lived my whole adult life from when I left home at 17 till I was 52, 35 years trying to prove that I was okay to my mom. Because she had God on her side. Now, saying that now sounds all warped, but that's what happened. So I was blessed with gifts and talents, just like you are. One of the gifts that I had was I knew how to work hard, which is something we also did at home. But I was also pretty smart, and I was able to get, you know, good jobs. I was able to get good employment and advancements and all that sort of thing. And that meant that I knew how to make money. So... I pursued this dual path of trying to make money, 
trying to prove I was okay to my mom because I thought, well, if I'm really successful, that will be okay and it'll make me okay, right? And then I had the normal ideas of, well, I want to, you know, have a relationship and everything else. And so I had a girlfriend and my mom didn't want me to get involved. Uh, you know, I was too young or certainly not doing what I was, quote, supposed to do. So she disapproved the first time I wanted to get married and had no interest in participating in it and shunned my first wife for the first few years. And later, when that relationship fell apart, uh, then she embraced my soon-to-be ex-wife and she was on the good guy team and I was bad again because all the rottenness in the world was on my head in her view of things. So I, I lived with total conditional love. I didn't know what it was like to be loved, really loved. I, I did not understand that feeling until much, much, much later in life. I kept trying to prove I was okay. Um, my relationships were never approved of, none of them. And they failed, one after another. They failed because I sabotaged them. I sabotaged them because I believed both that I would never be good enough. And then when things went okay, I don't deserve this, so then I would sabotage them. I did the same thing with my career. So I would create a lot of money and success, and then I would wreck it. I would do something intentionally. I didn't think about it this way at the time, but I behaved in a way to trash the situation. And I did that repeatedly. I did that repeatedly. So I'd build big success relationship-wise and money-wise and then wreck it. Build big success relationship-wise and money-wise and wreck it. And then, you know, over and over again. I, I know that sounds perhaps terrifying, perhaps ridiculous, and maybe it's both. <clears throat> and I lived with that belief that I wasn't good enough and struggled with depression, terrifying, debilitating depression, fighting my way through to do good and then sabotaging it over and over again. And I ended up going through three marriages. Um, I had 10 kids that were mine. I uh, ended up having jobs, then losing them, having and losing them. Each time the oscillations were bigger. So I created more money and more money. And then the crashes were bigger and bigger. As you might expect, that kind of cycle also includes addiction, drugs, alcohol, rehab, all of those kinds of things. You know, you see it on movies. It was could easily have been a movie or two. And in retrospect, it's sad because all of that effort spent trying to prove something. I felt like Covey's book, Seven Habits, <clears throat> you climb the ladder, climb the ladder only to find that it's on the wrong wall. So I would create success and then be unhappy and wreck it. One of the things I did during that time was I opened a recording studio and I wanted to do that because from my very early years, I was musically inclined. My mom also played guitar and piano and sang, and she was good. She taught us all to play the piano, but the idea of being in music as a career was evil because the musicians were all, you know, I don't know, drug addicts and terrible people and so forth. So uh, the thing I wanted to do, which was creative expression and music, was not allowed. 
And since the prime directive was to get back in the good graces and all that stuff, uh, there was a conflict there. So I opened a studio. I ran that for about 15 years. And then I finally had to, it was successful. And it was successful enough that I had to make a choice between, you know, full-time music or continue to pursue the corporate because I had both at the same time. And at the end, the last three or four years, I was working 16 hours a day. And you can do that when you're, you know, much younger. But anyway, I did that. Finally, I got to a choice. And I couldn't take the thing I wanted because why? Because it wasn't okay. So I shut that down, paved over the whole creative part of my life and pursued the corporate stuff with a vengeance. I became very, very successful at that and then trashed it. Uh, ruined my second marriage. Uh, and, you know, it, ta it always takes two to tango, but, and this isn't about blame, but I certainly did lots of things to wreck stuff. Uh, the third marriage was a disaster from the start. And so for 35 years, I lived up and down this cycle of the roller coaster thing. And each time was bigger and bigger. Finally, in 2007, uh, after 35 years, I was at the pinnacle again, right? Of money and position and everything. I was already single for the third time and then I had a, a divine intervention. Now all of us feel like I talked about yesterday, all of us feel at different times like there's a, a calling we have, something we ought to be doing, right? And we ignore it most of the time, or at least I did, over and over and over again, because I was pursuing this warped view of what I was supposed to do. And it's funny, the thing we're supposed to do is follow that intuition and lean into that and discover and develop and serve our divine gifts. And I was only trying to prove I was okay, external validation. And for me, it was my mom, even though she had been my abuser growing up. So what I finally, what finally happened in December, or excuse me, August of 2007, was a divine intervention. I was, I came home from work, in a, on a Friday in August of 2007, <clears throat> going to go out and party for the weekend. Four of my 10 kids were living with me. And I was getting ready to go out to party for the weekend and suddenly felt compelled to turn on the television. Now, that doesn't sound like anything except I didn't know how to turn it on. I picked up the remote and looked at it and realized it was Greek. I'd had the biggest, coolest stuff installed from some electronics store, but I never watched it. So I didn't know how to do it. I had to ask, like I said, I had four of my 10 kids living with me. Three were grown up and married, and three were with one of the women that I'd been married to. <clears throat> anyway, one of my daughters came in and you know punched some buttons and threw the remote at me, and it landed on a program I'd never heard of, but I'd never heard of any of them because I didn't watch TV, and it was titled Intervention. Now, if you don't know what that is, and I don't even know if it's still on, it's a reality TV show about families who stage interventions with professionals for busted loved ones. The protagonist was a high-ranking executive with a cocaine problem. Well, that was what I was. Uh, my habit at that point was $3,000 a week, and I was making so much money that didn't matter. Anyway, and that's embarrassing to say now, but it was true, and that's a, just evidence of the depth of the cycles. Anyway, I watched about 10 minutes, and I said, yeah, I'm not watching this crap. I turned it off, did some other things, and then was ready to go, and 
I felt compelled to turn on the television again. This time I knew how, so I did. And that program started over. And no, I don't have a recording DVR or anything. And no, it wasn't on the schedule. And no, of course, I know it can't do that, but it did. And so I felt compelled to watch it. I did. It went poorly. The guy yelled at his family. Uh, you know, it didn't go well at all. And it ended. And it freaked me out enough that I didn't go out. I stayed home and went to bed. And when I went to bed, I went to hell. And what I mean by that is I went somewhere that felt out of body. I was in a room, large dark room, that I could hear voices and see scenes on the stage that felt like they were scenes from my life, from early life where there was suffering inflicted on me all the way up through present day, all the suffering I inflicted on others with my poor choices and habits. The focus of all the scenes were suffering, and after a very long time, a voice said, it is enough. The suffering ended, I woke up, and the sun was shining in the window, which was weird because the windows faced west. So I got up and realized it was 5 o'clock Saturday afternoon. I'd been somewhere for nearly 18 hours. I got up and realized, okay, I've been invited to change dramatically, incredibly, and I have no idea what to do or how to do it. But I'm going to accept the invitation. So I threw away all the stuff I had laying around and I quit everything, cold turkey, that day. And got sober right here, right now. now that was just the beginning of the journey, and that was now 15 years ago. And for the next five years, I worked like crazy to understand. See, I, the, the intervention, the divine intervention didn't tell me how to do this or what to do, but I knew I was done and I was gonna take control of those levers like we, of my life like we talked about yesterday. Another piece of that divine intervention was introducing me to my wife today. Her name is Joy. Now, that's another whole story, and if you want those details, you can read them in Tightrope of Depression. But she was introduced in a divine and impossible way also, and she, was, she accepted this assignment, not even knowing me, really. She just agreed to come with me to essentially be my wife without even knowing me. It wasn't an arranged marriage. It was, it was crazy. But anyway, the story's a little too long for here. But she was the angel that was sent to help me with this change. So I said yes to the invitation. I quit the drugs. I walked away from the entire industry and all the positions and everything and just decided I'm starting over. Joy left her career and came with me. And for the first five years, we had to get to know each other and... But also the, the big thing was work on this depression that I'd never talked to anyone about and never knew what to do with. The key here is that I decided to do the work. I decided I don't care. I'm done with this other. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what I have to do. I'm going this new way. And when you want to create your ultimate life, that kind of commitment, dedication is required. There's a story about conquistadors <clears throat> burning the boats. I think it was Cortez. I'm not sure. But one of the conquistadors, you know, the crew was worried about the natives, and so they burned the boat. The captain burned the boats, meaning there's no escape. It's forward or death. 
So I started seeing shrinks and getting help for the first time and being vulnerable. And, and this wasn't immediate. It took time. I got a coach and then another one. And I got a shrink and then another one. And, and then I started writing books and I started creating things. And, but it was a little at a time and it was just listening to my intuition and gritting my teeth sometimes but saying, I'm doing this. I'm not going back to this old way, even though it would have been easy and tempting to do that. And was, hugely. There were many times and days of just terrifying discouragement. And so over time, in those first years, as I began writing and working on myself, I realized there is a path. I don't care where you start. I don't care how rough the past has been. <clears throat> Your story's different. Maybe worse, maybe better. I, it doesn't matter. Wherever you are, if you want to go higher, you can go there. The way that I discovered to do it is get some guides, get some help, and get determined. Burn the boats, get clear. So I started writing. I started thinking about what else can I do, and I realized in my career I'd been really good at helping people do things that seemed impossible. And that, to me, okay, that's coaching. So I explored being a coach. I looked up some coaching schools. I did that. I started writing books. I started documenting this process of change. How did I change? How am I changing? And after a few years, I realized that I had created, for me, a spectacular, successful, and documented process to go from completely defeated, where I was before, completely loathing myself and without any self-love, to a place of success, to a place of power, to a place of feeling good about myself the first time in my life. And as I went along, I used different words for it. I called something break the cage and, you know, I named it live life on purpose and all these different phrases. And where I landed now is the ultimate life. And I define it, as you know, as a life of purpose, prosperity and joy that you create by serving with your divine gifts. And that's what I do. And that, that's the backstory of how I got there. And the system that I have now, the ultimate life transformation experience, is built on that sometimes brutal, blood-on-the-floor experience of figuring out how to start where you are, no matter what's in the past, overcome the stories and bad beliefs that you have about yourself and about the world, take control of the levers of your life, pick goals, whatever yours are. Mine became writing books and creating a coaching practice and helping people achieve dreams. That's what I love to do. I love helping people achieve dreams. Now, at the same time, I'm still achieving mine. So I reopened the studio. I've done several albums of music since then. I've written 18 books. I've created a lot of courses that are simply expressions of my gifts. Your gifts are different. They're whatever they are. And I don't know if you're fully living and serving with them or not, but most people still feel that yearning to do more, to be more, to have an impact. They want to make a difference. That's so important for nearly everyone. I want to make a difference. I want to matter. Well, you can. And you can live a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy in the process. And that's 
the backstory. That's how I created this. And how through the years and years of work and formulation and study and getting good coaches and getting good instruction, I've created what I have today, which is this ultimate life transformation experience. So if you feel called to do more, to be more, to make a difference, to have an impact, all the words that we hear. If that's in your heart and you feel like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do it. I keep starting and blowing it. I keep getting sidetracked. Everything around me keeps getting in the way. All of the typical things that I have said and that I have dealt with both in my own life and with those that I help, then the ultimate life transformation experience is for you. Now, I've shared this backstory so you understand where I came from, what I went through personally to get here. Those are, those are my experiences. And like I said, in this short time, I've only been able to describe it briefly, but I've written the details and all of the rest of the story in that book, Tightrope of Depression, and the sequel to the book, which is called Down from the Gallows. So Tightrope and Down from the Gallows are... are the backstory and then the ongoing work. And you know what else I did? Because of the music, I created a, a two albums, uh, 11 songs each that tell the stories from those books to honor the music that's in me and to share the truth that you can have anything you want. I have the studio again. I'm producing music. It's online. It's available everywhere. Those dreams are now fulfilled and continuously in fulfillment. And my goal is to share that. As I said, this year, I'm going to help 10 million people to discover, develop, and serve with their divine gifts. And the vehicle is called the Ultimate Life Transformation Experience. If you want to find out about that, yourultimatelife.ca. Or just reach out to me on social media. If you want help, you can do it by yourself or, or find some other method. But, but take advantage and say yes. If you want my help, if the story I've told you and the things that I've said resonate with you, if it feels like, okay, he gets it, then let's talk and let's see if any of the things that I have for you make sense. I don't know and I won't know until we chat. No matter what you decide to do, I want to encourage you with all my heart, you are divine, you are capable, and if you want to, you can start right now and create your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky.